Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From today's reading from the Acts of the Apostles, Peter says, The message spread throughout Judea, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. We are witnesses. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. When I was very young, I had a babysitter named Caroline, who I really loved, but Caroline was a true evangelical. She was always very eager to talk to me and my siblings about God, and I was such a curious child, and I really welcomed these conversations. But I have this memory of being about five years old, when Caroline told me that Jesus had died to take away my sins. You see, I had just spilled my juice box on the carpet, and the guilt of this particular transgression seemed overwhelming. I was a sensitive child, and so Caroline jumped in, and she was very quick to explain that it did not matter how many juice boxes I spilled, that Somehow, Jesus' death on the cross had sorted all that out and fixed the problem. Well, upon hearing this news, I was thrilled. And so I looked at Caroline with all the earnestness I could muster, and I asked her, does Susie know about this? Susie was my best friend at school. I told Susie everything, meaning that if Susie had not yet heard that Jesus had died to take away her sins, it was my job to let Susie know about this. And so the next day at recess, I cornered Susie by the monkey bars. And like any good five-year-old with a destiny to grow up and become a priest, I implored Susie to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She accepted, and Susie and I soon began a mission to convert our kindergarten. It's a funny memory I have, but at root, there's really something beautiful about it, and in particular, something beautiful about a child who, upon hearing the Christian story, was so excited that his first impulse was to share that story with others. And that is what today's reading from the Acts of the Apostles is ultimately about. It is about our call to witness to a different story than the one we have been fed by our world or perhaps our family of origin. And more specifically, to bear witness to this story of how God in Christ has acted to redeem and save the entire creation. And so here's the question I want us to consider today. What story does your life bear witness to? Or maybe what story do you want? your life to bear witness to. Because the point of today's gospel where we recall the baptism of Jesus is to remind us that we too have been 
baptized or initiated into this very specific story, this story about a God who does not show partiality, favoring some people more than others, a story about how God sent Jesus to heal people's lives and put an end to oppression, a story about how when humanity did its worst, nailing the Lord of life to a tree, that God responded not by enacting vengeance, but by forgiving those responsible and then inviting them to live a life bearing witness to God's love. This, Peter says today, is the story that we have been invited to share and to dedicate our whole life to. And so again, the question I'd have us lean into today is, how have we responded to that invitation? And I think the place I want to start is just by wondering together, what is the story that drives your life? Shaping how you see yourself and where it is that you look for meaning. Is it a cultural story? Something like, my value is tied to what I have or what I achieve or how I look or what other people think about me. Or maybe it is a story we picked up as a child in our family of origin, a story that shapes our self-understanding. Perhaps I'm always the victim or it's my job to always fix things. Maybe it's a religious story, something you picked up at a different church or on television, a story like God helps those who help themselves or God rewards the good and punishes the bad. Or maybe it's a story of deep wounding that lives in those deep unspoken places within, a story that says that we of all people are uniquely flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And I'll tell you why I believe it's crucial that we become conscious of the story that is driving our life. So often, whenever people are depressed or anxious or not really fully satisfied with their life, behind that experience is what psychologists often call mythic dissonance. And basically, mythic dissonance happens when the story we have agreed to live is at odds with the story our deepest self knows to be true. And when the story we are living does not align with the story that our soul knows to be true, that can be incredibly painful, especially if the story we are living does not connect us to the transcendent God in whose image we are made. But what I hear Peter saying today, the meaning behind his bold proclamation we are witnesses, is that he has found a story worth giving his whole life to and perhaps even a story that he is willing to die for. In fact, the Greek word translated witness is the word martus, which is where we get the word martyr. And this, of course, is not an accident, right? The very first Christians, Peter included, 
they found this story of Jesus to be so true and so beautiful and so compelling that they were willing to bear witness to that story by laying down their very life. And so I wonder, is there a story that you find to be so true and so beautiful and so compelling that you would be willing to sacrifice for it? And that's a really vulnerable question. Because deep down, I think we know that should we respond to God's invitation to live our lives bearing witness to this gospel story, that we can't do that and still be a spectator, right? Spectators can keep their distance. Spectators can use their creeds and their rituals to stay in control of their life. Spectators can sit on the sidelines and judge and criticize other people. But none of these things make any sense for the witness whose sole concern is to figure out how to give his or her whole life in service of this story we call the gospel. And I really do mean our entire life, our whole heart, because at the end of the day, that is the gift that God invites us to give. I mean, isn't that the funny thing about Christianity? that everything God gives us is absolutely free, and yet in time, it has a way of costing us everything if we allow it. And I'm well aware the human ego does not want to give everything. My ego does not want to give everything. But here's the thing, my soul does. My deepest self does want to give everything because Deep down, I think we all know that life is about service and that meaning is found as we learn to hand more and more of our life over to God, not as a spectator, but as a witness. And so as you think about what all of this means to you, let me offer this thought. I think that if we're going to respond to God's call to be a witness to God's work in this world, we have to begin with a foundational understanding of who God is and how it is that God regards us. And of course, the miracle of our faith is that the words spoken over Jesus in today's gospel are the exact same words that God speaks over us. This is my son. This is my daughter. You are the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. Nothing I've said will make any sense if we don't know that God is already well pleased. In other words, we don't sign up as witnesses to the Christian gospel in order to please God, rather knowing that God is pleased and that God will always be pleased, our heart feels safe enough to say yes, and our life then becomes an adventure of trying to figure out how it is that we are called in our life to share the good news with the world. There's a great Peanuts comic strip that has Lucy boasting to little Linus about what a great evangelist she is. And so she says to him, do you know that kid who sits behind me in school? I've convinced him that my religion is better than his religion. 
And how'd you do that, Linus asks. Easy, Lucy says. I hit him with my lunchbox. I do assure you there is a different way, a better way, and that our call as the people of God is not to hit people. It's not to hit people with our advice or to hit people with our biblical knowledge or to hit people with our moral ideology. And the call isn't even to defend a religion. The call is to bear witness to a person who today, Peter reminds us, quite simply is the Lord of all. And this we do by giving God our heart. Because witnessing doesn't begin when we open our mouth. It begins when we open our heart. I'm not asking anyone here to go to work tomorrow to stand up and to announce the revolution. I'm just asking us to live it and to surrender to God's work in the world to the extent that you can, and to be transparent with other people along the way about who you are and where you struggle and what you believe, where you have doubts, and where you find hope. For as Peter says today, they put Jesus to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day. It is the most wonderful story of all, and like it or not, you have been chosen. We have been chosen as a witness. Amen.